You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. Okay, are you recording? I am recording. I'm letting all our Facebook followers know that we are going live. I love how you use the followers. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, I perceive some of them. We have a mum each. <laughs> oh, um, and I'll just send a tweet out too. Hey, do it. Okay, cool. All right. Um, that's good. All right. I give me two seconds. I'll pull up the show notes for me so that I, I can at least pretend that I've watched them, read them. It'd be really awkward if we hadn't seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast listeners all around the world. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. WFI, Mick. WFI. We are back. And as always, we are your hosts. My name is Rich the Bucker. And I am Mick the Dumbkopf. And we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And today we're here to talk about the movie 1917. And just in case you were wondering, Baka is Japanese for idiot and Dumkopf is German for idiot. German for idiot. That's right. Two, two countries that we are getting many, many listeners from. So for all those Bakas and Dumkopfs, keep on spreading the word, keep on liking our socials and uh, get everyone part of the conversation in whatever language. Uh, you know, be speaking. good. It'd be good if people who could actually understand what we're saying would also follow the show as well. That's true. That's, might, as well might as well be. Speaking a different language. Um, and uh, we'd just like to thank everyone for their support. You know, we are overwhelmed by how much support we get each week. Uh, but, you know, it, there can always be more. Go out, tell a friend, share us on your social medias, get the comments coming, ask us questions. Uh, we are all about getting involved in discussions and spread the word. Uh, don't spread COVID, but do please spread the word. Um, and hopefully everyone is staying safe during the COVID crisis. Uh, and Mick, how is your COVID going? Mate, my COVID is going uh, flat out. Now, look, uh, I'm not sure if my boss listens to this or not, but I'm, like, I doubt it. I was expecting isolation to be like, yeah, you know, our milestones and our goals might go lower, but um, we're busier than ever, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, That's great. And, and, and partly our fault because now people who are like, oh, maybe I'll meet with you next time I'm in Canberra. Now we're like, hey, let's just chat online. Yeah, absolutely. The kind of thing you warn teenagers against, like adults are out there just (laughs) recklessly doing it. Let's meet strangers on the internet. (laughs) I can well, you know, for those for those that are watching on Facebook, I can, and for those that are not, more so, I can attest that if my teenager popped up a screen that showed Mick's bearded face, I would also be screaming, (laughs) "Smash the computer immediately!" I don't have a problem with uh, if. Like if that's the right action, if I pop up on any of these teenagers' camera, the <laughs> fact that when I when I turn up on other people's screens and they're grown they're grown adults, I'm trying to do business with, and they still jump up and run screaming out of the room. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. A bit orcs. It's a bit orcs. Now, look, we're really excited about talking about this movie, 1917. It's been a big build up. We watched it this week. A lot of comments, a lot of different camps uh, that we're going to really get into. But before we do, uh, we just like to send some love to our sponsor. Uh, yeah. for this evening's episode and good to go gear g2g g2g man. 
Now, Good to Go Gear is an Australian veteran-owned business that has been supporting customers for over a decade. Whether it's military, camping, adventure, workwear, or first aid, they have a wide range that is ready to be shipped directly to you. All you have to do is go to their, check out the catalog at www.goodtogogear.com.au and get the best gear that is, as you said before, G2G. G2G. Yeah. And, and you know what? You know what I really, really like? Um, the, the, our sponsor is, is a company I've been using for years. That's right. You, that T-shirt, I believe, is a couple of years old. Yeah, it's uh, four or five years old, easily, easily, four or five years old. Um, still going. Yeah, and I'm not going to stand up because I'm not going to tell you how much I've grown <laughs> since I uh, since I bought it, but it actually fits nice. Um, and I was just like, man, these things really, really last. So um, I don't know if that's a great business model because you know they need to sell lots of shirts, right? That's right. <laughs> People's so, shirts aren't running out. They need to not sell things that <laughs> last for five years. Yeah. So uh, no. I'll tell you what. If uh, this is the one that I used to wear with the old cam uniform, right? No, yeah, when yeah. I'm in the service. So um, they've got a great line that uh, you can wear. The uniform. This is my field shirt, um, and now I mean I should wash it soon. But you can tell, like it's good. Good to go. Well, look, they offer a thirty-day, one hundred percent satisfaction guarantee, and they ship both to Australia and the USA. So, what are you waiting for? Go and check out Good to Go Gear. That's G two G Gear. Gear that is truly good to go. And I've got to say, I'm wearing one of the newest uh, shirts that you can get from Good to Go. Uh, long sleeve wicking shirt. I can't wait to do a workout in this. I did a workout today in the shirt that you're wearing, the yeah. brown undershirt, and it was not, fine. Not, not, not this actual shirt. Not the one that you that would not right be now. COVID it, safe. It would not be COVID safe, and we are 100% COVID compliant. Yeah, COVID um, compliant. That's that, that sweet hashtag. Sweet hashtag. All right. So let's get into this movie, 1917, directed by Sam Mendes. Yeah. Now, Mick. Could you do us a favor and read the summary from IMDb, please? Yes, I can, uh, because I have the show notes and I read the show notes like a good co host. <laughs> now, whereabouts is that? <laughs> April 6, 1917. As a regiment assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory, two soldiers are assigned to race against time and deliver a message that will stop 16,000 men or 1,600 men. Uh, from walking straight into a deadly trap. Hey, I'm going to jump on IMDb and rewrite that. There's like so many errors in that. I'm sure uh, they'll appreciate it. I'm going and to rewrite. I'm going to say the Lord of the Rings on the Western Front. <laughs> that's hey, I've I've read a lot of reviews about this movie, and that did not come up. That's a, that's an interesting take. <laughs> and from Wik- from Wikipedia, they cover a bit of wider context. Uh, 1917 is a 2019 war film directed, co-written and produced by Sam Mendes. It is based in part on an account told to Mendes by his paternal grandfather, Alfred Mendes. The film tells the story of two young British soldiers during World War, uh, during the First World War who are ordered to deliver a message calling off an attack doomed to fail soon after the German retreat to the Hindenburg Line during Operation Alberich in 1917. The message is especially important to one of the soldiers as his brother is taking part in the pending attack. So, Mick, 1917. Uh, have you heard of this movie um, before we had to watch it? Well, before we got the pleasure of watching it this week and doing this review. Yeah, I do. And I've got like a, I've got a, I've got a confession to make. If you say I haven't watched it, <laughs> it's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. I watched I watched it last night actually. Um, in fact, what one of my kids who's quite young, preschool ladies and gents, uh, 
walked in just before like a, a pretty gruesome scene. I was like, ah, so I definitely nearly watched it last night because I nearly traumatized a. Uh, <laughs> no, I um, I don't watch war films. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. No, and we're gonna okay. Keep on going. Yeah, Why? I, I just I just don't anymore. I don't often watch war films anymore. So like, yeah. Um, a lot of people with our with our background, our history, will go to the cinema and watch a war film straight away. I generally don't. It'll take a lot for me to watch a war film. Um, yeah. Generally, it'll take a co-host saying, "Hey, dude, this is what we're doing next week. Watch, so watch the it, or I'm gonna punch um, you in the face." Yeah. Films like War Machine, like uh, that's a bit different, um, you know. But the you know some of the other ones, that, that actiony type of war movie, just yeah, just doesn't doesn't float my boat unless yeah. I know it's going to be character driven. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean that's just, that's just a sign that I'm old, right? Like, um. well, look, it's a topic that we're going to get later in the episode, and you know, it's the, it's the kind of question: what is the purpose of a war movie? You know, yeah, why no, I do? But I never watched it. Yeah, and I was much the same, mate. I, I've heard of this movie. Um, and I never got an opportunity to watch it. I think, you know, everything was happening, pretty busy in life. One thing that did stick out, though, and the reason I'd heard so much about it uh, is because on all my social feeds, especially on my Reddit, they did this... They did a lot of expo... Not expose, it's wrong word. They did a lot of coverage on how Sam Mendes did these incredibly complex... Uh, long shots um, that, that we're going to talk about tonight. So that's one thing I heard about this movie. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I mean, there's, there's obviously been a lot of stuff put into this movie. I might check it out. Maybe but we I haven't put the show on Reddit more often. We probably should. Um, but yeah, no, besides that, I haven't, you know, had the, had the ability to watch it. So have heard about it mainly for the cinematography. Um, had no idea what the storyline was about, um, except obviously it was based in 1917. So let's roll straight into it. You turn on the movie, um, and before we do, roll it straight into it, excuse me. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie yet, that's fine. We're not going to give away anything that happens in the movie besides what you can sort of read in the in the blurb before the movie starts. There is going to be a shift sometime in this episode, though, uh, where we will give you a spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it... Yeah, uh, can- and, uh, and, and, and Rich's promises aside... I'm probably gonna. <laughs> you are probably most likely. Gonna, I'm probably gonna do a spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. I'll try and make sure I do it after Rich has said spoiler alert. Oh but if I do God. it beforehand, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's confirmed. Okay. So this movie starts straight into it. It, it just yep. opens up with April 6, 1917, and then just rolls straight into the movie. Like the audience um, is supposed to know the world's at war. Right. And you know what? I liked it. I liked how we're just like. You know what? If you want to know more, then you find out more. But this is yep. to, this is the date, and we're straight into the movie. Well, no context. Deal with it. Yeah, because a lot of movies, you know, there's a big scroll, and you got to read. Okay, oh, what's the context? What's happening? No, this is just like, hey, you're in it. Here we go, and and you need to establish your own context, which I think is a great start to a movie. Yeah. Um, we then introduce the two lead characters, and we 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 start what was the most amazing thing about this film for me, and that is this incredible long shot that Sam Mendes was able to create. Now, for those that don't know what a long shot is, films are often edited um, quite quickly. I, I dived into a deep rabbit hole researching this movie, uh, looking about movie shots, uh, looking about, there's the metric, yeah, of course you did. There's a metric for measuring shots. It's called average shot length, ASL, and it's how many shots are divided by the length of the movie. Anyway. And, and it's okay um, if you're only an average shot length. <laughs> that's right, yeah, everyone loves average, right? Um, 
but this one it just starts from it starts from the the text and then you are just in this shot and it just does not end throughout the entire movie you, you feel like you're just continuously watching the camera for almost two hours go through it and and it's mind-blowing so in the first one just to quickly describe it you meet our characters they have some conversation they're in a very quiet peaceful area i thought that okay this movie starts at their basic training or something like that you know what i mean it, yeah i was like oh they're still in england yeah exactly right and then they enter a trench and they start walking and as they're walking they're talking and they walk for quite a long time and the camera's with them the whole time and as as you're following them with the camera everything starts to change around them you know and i thought a lot about um not apocalypse now uh, what's the book that we had to read that Apocalypse Now was based on? Heart of uh, Darkness. Oh, man. Heart of Darkness, Joseph Conrad, right? I thought right. about going down the river, you know, go, going into madness. And it was just the further that they went, they dissented and it just got worse and worse and worse. And that continues throughout the whole movie. The cinematography of creating those long shots, I have to say, just absolutely blew my mind. The story quick, never quick, stops. Quick segue. You mentioned Heart of Darkness. Uh, the guy who plays the lieutenant that gives them the flare gun, yeah, he is playing the main character in a production of Heart of Darkness. I'm not sure if it's a TV series. Ah, or anything released this year. Great segue. You didn't even know it. You, you, you're advertising. BBC paid some money. BBC. Right. But you're right. It's, um, it's an incredible way of telling the story, the long shot, because you, you, it, it's got you the whole time, right? you got to think, because you've got to think Black Hawk Down an amazing movie i love it um and that's a lot of shots you know what i mean it's left right up down action 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 and they're, and they're controlling the pace by how many shots they're using this movie does something absolutely different this movie controls the pace by using the single shot only so you are going along with what the story wants you to do at the pace that he wants you to do which which is very much a hitchcock um approach to it i remember studying hitchcock when we were you did Hitchcock yeah, quarter. I was, a bit, I was a bit obsessed, um, but I, I really enjoyed <laughs> right, it. Man. I studied Kevin Costner and Robert Redford. I think you got yeah. the end of the deal. <laughs> well, two things, in my opinion, happen with these long shots, right? The first thing is you are deeply, deeply involved with what's happening. Well, I, I mean, you know, if you're, in, if, if you're watching it on a plane or you're kind of ignoring it, I don't think you're going to be there. But I was in, I had my headphones on, it was loud. I was so deeply involved and I felt like I was there walking the trenches with these individuals, right? And, and then when he's controlling the pace, it's slow. You're noticing things. You're seeing things. It's very subtle. But when it changes and something happens, it is striking, you know, and it is just something just so uh, just slaps you in the face, which is, which is just a really, really powerful way uh, to do cinema and a very powerful way that this movie did it. So you're saying he, he uses monotony to make the uh, slightest. <laughs> yeah, he gets you so bored that when it's finally interesting, you're shocked. <laughs> hey, look, they're no. walking. They're walking. No, but oh, no, it's good music. The, the single shot tape really resonates with me, quite, quite obviously, but I really think it is what has been polarizing about this movie, okay? Because um, whilst w when I was reading about it, it, it you know, I, I love the cinematography. I love what had to go into it. I read about how they had to build these uh, ginormous scenes because some of the scenes went for kilometers. They had to do months of rehearsals, normal rehearsals for movies. You rehearse the morning of and then you shoot in the afternoon. This is months of rehearsals because everything has to run and the detail of planning because it was a single shot, you know, every day the weather had to look the same. So when it was raining, it was, it was incredible. But I think a lot of that, some people are like, where's my action? You know what I mean? <laughs> I like, hey, uh, I see your art that I came here with popcorn. Yeah. 
yeah, where's the action? So, look, I think it was amazing. I think Mendes wanted you to feel that you were in the scene with the actors. I think it was powerful. Mm. But I think that's been one of the main reasons that there's been a lot of polarity with regards to what did people think about this movie? Did they like it? Didn't they like it? What did you think? Yeah, yeah mate, look, I, I loved it. I thought it was, um, I thought the, now when I say I loved it, I love how it was the cinematography is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, and in fact, it reminds me of Dances with Wolves from uh, what I studied. In. No, it doesn't. Kevin <laughs> Costner. Not, he was a. Uh, hey, he was. He. You, you were going somewhere, Kevin. Um, <laughs> Waterworld. Um, look, it was better than Waterworld, ladies and gents. No, um, that's, that's that's not fair praise at all. Like, I really, I really enjoyed the long shots and the way that they kept you in the story the whole time. I actually watched it here in this uh, in the studio uh, on a smaller screen. So it was a bit, I was like, oh, am I going to diminish it? And uh, no, it was fine because I was just like, right, um, when are we going to have a scene break? When are we going to have a scene break, a bit of action, and then the reorg after the action so I can go get a cup of tea? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can definitely see why people didn't like it, right? So people don't go to a movie about war for artistic cinema. Um, yeah. I compared yeah. this when I was discussing with my wife I compared it to Birdman, the um, the Michael Keating, which is absolutely amazing, and that's all one long shot. That they didn't film it. I don't think they filmed it all in one shot, but they do a long. They do just, you know, it looks like one continuous shot the whole film. Um, there's another movie we did when we were at university called Russia. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I was going yeah, to remember that. I can't remember what it was called, but um, yeah, that was that was actually a continuous shot as opposed yeah, to and it was significant because it was one of the first movies i mean this is showing our age mate it was one of the first movies that was shot uh using digital um digital yeah. cameras yeah. they didn't do long shots because they didn't have enough film because they had to keep cutting it to do the film but uh with i think back then what was they had 300 megabytes and it was amazing they could capture they could capture <laughs> I think, this i think it was close to a gig because everyone went ooh, a gig. yeah a gig. Oh. i don't even know what that means yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah so i, I love that and it, you know, it did bring back our film studies to me. I was just like, wow. And, you know, like my yeah. wife's a film, uh, did film as an undergrad as well. So, like, it's a house of film nerds. Um, although I don't think it's enough to get her to watch it because she's not a war film person. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, if I, I say, hey, there's barely any war in it, you should be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, some background about this movie. Okay, so it was released uh, not long ago, December December last year through to January this year, um, and directed by Sam Mendes. He's an English director. Now, speaking of Blast from the Past, he made his directorial directorial debut, American Beauty, 1999. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. I he, so it was his first movie he directed, and he won an Academy Award for Best Director for that movie, which was uh, which I remember again. You know, when we were at uni together, I was absolutely obsessed with that movie, right. um, American Beauty. American Beauty, yeah. yeah I don't know why. We were obsessed for a very different reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for reasons that shall not be mentioned. Um, he also did Jarhead. He, he's done a stack of movies. I just picked the the couple yeah, of ones. He, yeah, he did yeah. Jarhead, two thousand and three, and then. He's sort of he probably got launched into the stratosphere because he did back to back James Bond movies. So he right. was the director of Skyfall in 2012, yeah, and, then Spe- and then Spectre in 2013. Have you seen Spectre? I think I have. I'm not a huge James Bond fan. I think I've seen yeah. it. I, I like the action, but I, I, didn't, I didn't really follow the movies. Yeah, um, Skyfall I really really liked, but um, I, it, that's when I, the, that's when the sky's falling. I assume. Yeah, that's right. And he has to save it. Um, yes, <laughs> propping up the sky. He he rested on his shoulders for a period there. Um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a tight effort. 
Well, th this movie is significant and it's, and it's different to what he's done before in that uh, there seems to be a personal connection to Sam Mendes in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not a spoiler, you know, it, it, it's, it's out there, it doesn't ruin the movie. But um, at the end of the movie, it is, you are told that this movie was inspired by the stories told to him by his granddad. And, right? Yeah. And the, the words come up for Lance Corporal Alfred H. Mendes, 1st Battalion, King's Royal Rifle Corps, who told us the stories. And again, I thought a really, really interesting way of saying, hey, everything you saw is somehow based on a true story. You know what I mean? Because normally yeah. they get their credibility up the front. Yeah. This is based on a true story. And then they sort of go with it. But it was interesting yeah. how Mendes decided to, at the very end, a little homage to my granddad. Yeah, and he doesn't um, say it's, um, it is the story of his grandfather. It's, uh, right. you know, he's told, uh, who told us the stories, which, you know, what he's saying is, you know, this is a, you know, based on the stories of my grandfather, this is a realistic portrayal of the experience of soldiers. And, and you know, like, you know, we did a review of Hacksaw Ridge in, uh, in mm. season one. Yeah. yeah I and I remember, and, you know, as I said in that review, I'm a sucker for true stories. If they, if they say this movie is based on a true story, I'll almost pull out my notepad and pen. I'll be like, okay, it's time to learn. Let's do this, people. Yeah. Um, and that's, have your, a, that's your history class there. It's my history class, right? And I have a feeling that that's I know... That's why it's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I think I know why... I think I know one of the powerful reasons that he did it at the end, um, and, and I'll mention it later. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting thing to, to get that at the very end that this was based on stories from my grandfather. Now, his grandfather himself was a very interesting chap, uh, a veteran of World War One, Alfred Mendes. Um, he was a veteran of Flanders for two years. That that's, <laughs> that's just I know World War One is full of just incredible numbers, incredible time, incredible stories. But I just just it's two fun. years, it just blows me away. It's insane, isn't it? The, the you think that someone could spend two years living in those conditions. I mean, I know they rotated them, so I probably spent no longer than you know a month or two at the at the very front. But still, two years know, is a long time. And knowing you've got to go back to the front. Yeah, absolutely. Bombardment. Um, yeah, and if anyone knows about World War, uh, the First World War or World War One, as Yanks call it, um, you know, there were enemy robots wandering around. <laughs> it was AI, yeah, yeah, yeah. machine learning, machine all learning, stuff. all sorts. Yeah. Of You'll only get that if you've listened to all our episodes. So, if you want this, you want this to be super funny, go listen to it. That's um, right. Yeah, so Alfred Mendes was awarded the Military Medal for distinguishing himself in battle and eventually sent back to Britain after inhaling poisonous German gas. And as I said, I'm a sucker for a true story. I think this added a little a little extra right at the end just to, to, to keep you going. Um, and, uh, you know... It, he didn't say up front. It didn't really change it for me. And I can I can see why he might not have said it. It might have just been, hey, just sit back, relax, enjoy the story. Oh, by the way, these are stories my pop used to tell me. You know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. enjoyed the approach. And I um, what I found... Uh... No, I lost it. Just kidding. Good, good. <laughs> Australia's, Australia's number one military podcaster, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mick, here we go. Yeah, not on this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, the movie's done very well. Okay, yep. so it's made $250 million worldwide pretty pretty soon after its release. It has a current rating of 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, sitting around 80%, 80-something percent with the critics and the uh, audience, which, which is a, a really good rating, with an average score of 8.37 out of 10. So it is certified fresh. It's doing really well. At the 92nd Academy Awards, it received 10 nominations and won three for Best Cinematography, 
best sounding mix and best visual effects. And at the 77th Golden Globe Award, it was nominated and won two awards, best motion picture, uh, sorry, best motion picture drama, and also the best actor. So look, it is, I mean, it has done really well for a movie compared to a lot of war movies that come out and flop. Um, but it's interesting how polarizing it really is on the internet. And uh, you can find articles that just are blown away by it. You can find articles that just <laughs> really don't like it whatsoever. Um, I mean, it's, I would find it hard, like even though there was a lot of bits in the movie that, you know, people could be bored with and stuff. It's really a hard movie to bash, I think. Look, it's a hard movie to bash, but it depends why you're there watching the movie. Yeah, you know, that's right. If, like, if, that's right. It's like you, you turn up to KFC and you're like, you guys have the worst Big Mac ever. I mean, case in point, the, the premise of the story is someone has to go through war along a long journey and find someone else. Okay, that, that that that's essentially the story. Yeah. Exactly the same. Exactly the same story. As Saving Private Ryan. Exactly the same story as Private, but just Private just Ryan. miles apart. Miles apart. Well, actually, um, not in the same spots. Like geographically. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Maybe Saving Private Ryan's the sequel to this. Like, I don't know history too well, but that's a fact. <laughs> and Lord of the Rings is the prequel. <laughs> the really <laughs> old prequel. <laughs> uh, all right. So we spent a bit of time. Looking at this movie, um, and one of the things I love about war movies is uh, watching it, but one of the things I love about war movies is they they make you think about the real war and what really happened. And I always ask myself, you know, how accurate was it? How accurate was this? Um, So we did a bit of digging. Like, is there a place called France? Is there a place called France? In fact, there is. No, no. So before, so April 6, 1917 is when this movie starts. Um, A bit of context, Mick, if you want to, if you can with your glasses, if you can read those two dates of what happened before April 6, 1917. I'm ready for that. Um, cool. All right. So I'll read the – oh, yeah. Okay. So for those listeners that can't see our show notes, there's there's a heap of little uh, blocks to, of text to read. And Richie's like, hey, Mick, I know you haven't got your glasses on. Can you please read the two massive small font texts? And the I will take the one that's one the before word. one. The before one. They don't want to see how the sausage so, is made. They don't want to see how the sausage is made. Just read it. Cool. Um, but the listeners do want to see the sausage. <laughs> July the 1st, 1916, the first battle of the Somme begins. The British offensive is intended to draw German attention from Verdun. And in that regard, only could it be considered a success. Okay. Thanks. I hope you wrote it. Yeah. No, is this one of your essays? No, it's not. 20, no, it's not. Killed in action on July the 1st marks the single bloodiest day in the history of the British Army. By the time the Somme campaign ground to a halt some four and a half months later, the combined casualties of both sides topped one million. Now let's go to March 15th. Do you want me to do that? Yeah, go for it. March 15th, 1917. Tsar Nicholas II abdicates the throne after a week of riots in the Russian capital of St. Petersburg. The Russian Revolution saw the overthrow of the Romanov dynasty and, ultimately, the rise to power of Vladimir Lenin and the Bolsheviks. So, uh, uh, you know, some really interesting things happened before this date in World War One. Yeah, like one's relevant, the other one's in Russia. Well, both, yeah, both relevant, both relevant, you know. And uh, we, are, we are not World War One experts. I, I feel almost a, a bit embarrassed talking about World War One history because we know so many experts in World War One. you know what I mean? I am. I am. 
Um, you were there, obviously. Uh, no, but, I call it the First World War, and that makes me an expert. But the, the context of where they're fighting in this piece of land is, is pretty important, you know what I mean? We talk about the Battle of the, Battle of the Somme, um, but essentially what we find is prior to this date, uh, we have this, this infamous way of World War I, the way it's fought, you know, this crazy attritional war that people sort of look back on World War I uh, and frown upon. And in fact, many people at the start of World War II looked back on and said, we don't want to have that again. We know what that felt like. Yeah, um, so and it, eat it, hold my beer. Exactly. And many and many sort of things were happening. We had um, the way they were going to fight the war was agreed upon. They were going to attack the central powers simultaneously from the east, from the west and from the south. Um, and this is, you know, the underpinning of how the Battle of the Somme sort of started. You know, you have Russia uh, attacking from the west. Um, the west, if you're Germany, the west, it's confusing. It depends on who, who's east no, and who's no, west. No, no, east is always east and west is always West? No, no, no. But if you're Russia coming to the West, you're attacking oh, to your West. Okay. So Russia is coming to the East west. of Germany. Let's, let's, oh my God! Let's let's put the let's put the compass over the top of Germany and say the Russians okay. are attacking from the East. From the East, the Allies attacking from the West. Yeah, and they also have people attacking the Western Front. People attacking from the South. Oh, no, um, you did this for South. South's this. Whatever. Whatever. Um, so that was that was some of the context, and as we said, you know, the Somme uh, is some of the bloodiest fighting uh, that we that will have been seen in World War One, especially in Verdun. Um, if you wanted to listen to an amazing podcast on World War One, I, I highly recommend Dan Carlin's uh, podcast on World War One. It's extremely long, and he talks a lot about Verdun. I'm sitting right here, man. Um, and it's it's fantastic. It, it goes for hours, and uh, it's really really insightful. And there's no yeah. doubt a bunch of whole other books that you can read about it as well. But like the con- Hugh, Hugh Strachan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's listening. Hugh Strachan, um, if he ever finishes his World History of World War One, he's still only got the first volume out, I think. And, Ch- and Churchill's account is uh, so amazing. You get to explore this amazing prose that Churchill was able to create about this yeah, whole and war there's as well. Certainly, there's certainly no. Um, no sort of uh, self-interest in any of Churchill's writings, so you should be fine. There's also uh, quite a few episodes on the Dead Prussian podcast. On there, uh, you go. Good one. plug. Good plug. Uh, now another interesting well, you know, point. Mate, someone's got a bloody. Someone's got bloody plug it because you're 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 sending people off to my other competition. Yeah, and me and Dan Cullen are like this close. <laughs> so he, he's killing me. <laughs> another another interesting point is the Bolsheviks and the rise of Lenin. Uh, in Russia. Very, very interesting, you know, yep. something that's worth, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a fan of, of politics, especially the different types of politics that exist around and governments that exist around the world. Uh, the Bolsheviks, the rise of Lenin, the planting of Lenin in Russia by Germany yep. to cause upheaval and unrest so that the Germans' Eastern Front, there you go, uh, potentially uh, collapses, which eventually we see the revolution does cause it to collapse. So it's, look, it's, it's really interesting things that led to this point of view. And interestingly, you know, what we'll see is that Britain, who was under a lot of pressure at the moment, not as much pressure as France, but a lot of pressure, they're really worried throughout this war that potentially they may also collapse uh, in some sort of way that they saw Russia collapse. You know, would it be a Lenin style? Probably not, but it's something that the world is seeing, just going and seeing, wow, this individual has gone there, the rise of the Bolsheviks, the collapse of a, a, a state um, is really significant. So some pre-context. Um, I will read, uh, interestingly, what happens on April 6, 1917. 
So on April 6, 1917, the day that this movie uh, is placed upon, uh, in real time, the United States declares war on Germany. In his address to Congress four days earlier, US President Woodrow Wilson had cited Germany's practice of unrestricted submarine warfare and the Zimmerman telegraph, telegram as key reasons behind the abandonment of his longstanding policy of neutrality. Yeah. So America entering the war, super significant. Yeah, and uh, for those people who don't know what the Zimmerman telegram is, uh, it, was a, it was a secret cable between... Um, Germany and Mexico proposing a, a secret alliance between Germany and Mexico. Yeah, it seems like a strange thing these days, but uh, for those who know their uh, their American history, uh, things between the U.S. and Mexico haven't always been uh, hunky dory. Uh, what? what? A place called uh, Texas and New Mexico, and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that's what that telegram's about. Well, the, the entrance of America into the war, which which I found, um, you know, I, I don't remember the dates off the top of my head. I, when I was looking at this, I was like, oh, wow, April 6th. What, I mean, what a, what a strange coincidence. That's the exact day that America enters the war. It's an American, uh, it's an American um, director, mate. He had to get some. No, British. He's a British director. He's Is he? British director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said he was American at the start. Of no, course. No, no, no. British. Yeah, no, he's oh. British. Um, but You're it's, it, it's, That's funny. <laughs> I thought that was a third oh, person. Yeah. <laughs> Look, America entering this war is significant um, because, interestingly, it's the first time the war is carried. Thank you very much. The war has gone on for a while, but it's the first time in the war that the Entente, which is a word that I love, right? Uh -huh. the, Entente, uh -huh. the the Allies are no longer thinking just about space, but they now are starting to think about time. They know that with the superpower of America, that were isolating themselves prior to this, maintaining neutral American industrial power, that they are going to win this war. But now it's just a matter of time. Um, and at this stage, you know, Britain is funding the entire war. They now have America to fall back on and rely about it. Um, but they just didn't know when they were going to win. Which and is the unrestricted warfare bit, um, just to go back to that, for those listeners that don't know, that... that uh, is in relation to German U-boats then started targeting merchant ships, yeah. not just British Navy ships, and they didn't care uh, what flag you were flying. If you were doing trade with Britain, you were fair game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, US was neutral really at that stage, but, um, yeah, you, you, you sink a few few bankers, you, you, you're going you're gonna to piss off. Yeah, people angry. Yeah, people angry. Um, and then, of course, after this date, what happens? Well, it, it, this is more tactical, um, and it's pretty boring, in my opinion. But, you know, we see the first large-scale use of tanks in combat. I don't think real people really care about those things too much, um, and certainly none of our listeners are interested in armoured warfare. And I don't really think armoured warfare changes warfare too much into the future. I don't think it's relevant these days. I don't think it's relevant. No, when I saw a tank in the movie, I got pretty excited. I remember writing oh, yeah. down... I was like, are tanks being used yet? It was, it, did yeah, this really I checked. Happen? I was like, wait a minute. When was Camera on? When was <laughs> yeah. um, jumped on there. I was like, 1916. Damn it. So, so tanks, tanks were first used in the song, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and I love the story of the tank. You know, most people know. We feel, you know, we, we know it fairly well. If you don't know how tank got their name or how they're pursued, <laughs> it's a great story. All the tanks. Right. And, um, you know, speaking Winston to you guys. Churchill. Read Winston Churchill's biography and you'll learn about it because it came out of his, uh, it was one of his brainchilds. Well, there you go. And if you, speak to anyone, if you speak to anyone who operates with tanks nowadays, not much has changed. It's pretty much the same. 
Yep. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They just, they just, they just don't burn as quick. <laughs> so look, World War One is uh, a really, really interesting war uh, to talk about. There's so much that you know we can only scratch the surface. Some of the things that sort of come out to me uh, was this concept of the cult of the offensive, uh, which is something that we learned about. You know, the leader, the leadership of the of the time, just having this spirit offensive of the, attitude, spirit of the offensive. Land um, of, is it a land or something? We're not going to win. How can we possibly win? We will win if we just keep going forward. Well, what happens if we can't go forward? Well, then we'll go forward even more. And it was just a, uh, it was an absolute tragedy um, and something that, you know, deservedly many, 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 many studies have occurred. Many PhDs have come out of this cult of the offensive. What were they thinking? Why were they thinking it? Um, and the term thruster, <laughs> you know, thruster, I'm not sure if, it, if they use it in America. Um, certainly in Australia, it's a, a bit of a derogatory term we use in the military for someone who puts themselves above and beyond other people. Um, but in World War, thing, wasn't it? The, yeah. it was a French thing. It was a French thing. Um, the, uh, the whole idea of um, the spirit of the offensive and, you know, the uh, attack on trance, the... Um, the attack to excess yeah yeah and the concept but the concept of the thruster is related because yeah. back then generals who were known as thrusters were the ones that were offensive they're like no 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 i don't defend i go i attack i yeah. go forward and i was actually surprised i thought that was how this movie was going to end yeah yeah, yeah almost spoiled it people almost spoiled it. and then the final point uh, just just to make you happy was world war one's uh, use of artillery um, which I'm sure, I'm sure you want to say a couple that of words. Is, that is what I liked about the film <laughs> <laughs> that it had artillery and explosions. Um, uh, I've probably got to dial it down um, because my kids are like, you know, is is war fun? Because you get to drop bombs. I'm like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, oh, no, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not fun. Dropping bombs is fun even outside of war. Um, but um, maybe <laughs> the artillery stuff was good. But what I liked was most World War. Uh, one or the first world war movies um try and go as go as close as possible to the artillery bombardments right mm. so what you end up with a lot of first world war films is you just see lots and lots of artillery and they like to say you know stuff's exploding stuff's exploding in this one like there probably would have been a little bit more artillery but they didn't really yeah it wasn't constant wasn't constant that he only used it when it was needed for the storyline, which I actually liked. Yeah. Uh, it made it special, made it special for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sam. I think he did it just for you as well. I think he did well, it just he said for you. That. He also said, please stop writing to this address. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to get up that map? And I'm going to read about this yeah. operation. Oh, for our listeners, though, I'll, uh, I'm sharing a map that you can't see. Um, yeah. But here's the good news. That's it. That's the good news. All right. So, Richie, can you see the? Is it the big map you can see with my cursor, yeah. or, or is it the small map? Yeah. No, no. The the big map is up on the screen. Okay. So, Wait. what what is this operation based upon? Um, well, it's based upon uh, Operation Alberich or Alberich, um, which is the code name of a German military operation in France during World War One. All right. So, Alberich was a planned as a strategic withdrawal to new positions on the shorter and more easily defended, I'm going to try to read this out, Siegfried Stalin, uh, which is what the British called the Hindenburg line. 
Uh, General Eric Ludendorff was reluctant to order the withdrawal and hesitated until the last moment. So this is the context that they don't really discuss during the movie, and I don't think they need to. Um, but, you know, when you deep, deep dive into the movie a little bit more, this is the operation that they were uh, combating against. These Germans withdrawing, where have they gone, where have they gone? Surely they wouldn't retreat after months and years of fighting. Well, this is the, the, the strategic reason why they withdrew. So the retirement took place between the 9th of February and the 20th of March, 1917, after months of preparation. The German retreated, excuse me, the German retreat shortened the Western Front by 40 kilometers, 25 miles. Um, the retirement shortened some salience, which I'll skip over, um, but most importantly, it provided 13 or 14 extra divisions for the German strategic reserve being assembled uh, to defend against the uh, multiple offenses that were then to occur. So, um, you know, it's a very interesting operation in itself. You know, it wasn't, it's not an operation like, uh, Market Garden, where you're kind of like, hey, cool, lots of parachutes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's uh, it's one that is pretty significant um, that the Germans uh, were able to do, um, and uh, and what this movie was all wrapped around. Were you aware of this one before? I believe we may have lost Mick. Okay, so sorry about that, ladies and gents. Uh, we just had some technical difficulties. Uh, Mick uh, just texted me saying he's lost connectivity, uh, but he'll come back soon. But that's fine, because as you all know, I can just keep on talking about myself. So look, uh, to, to wrap up, what, what about this movie? Um, so the movie itself, what, what do I like about the movie? Well, the thing that I really enjoyed about this movie is it tells a simple, simple story about a soldier's lot in World War One, You really feel part of the story. You know, it's, it's not always fun. Uh, it, it wasn't always a fun movie. It, it wasn't always completely exciting. Hey, Mick, you're hey, back. I'm back. Yeah, hey, <laughs> the, the thing about this lost comms procedure is that... Um, oh, wait, I've got... Oh, sorry, I've got... That you, that, that's you, you can hear. Um, is that uh, you can just keep talking and recording, so... Yeah. yeah. So, mate, I didn't hear what you said. Uh, we lost the map, but... Uh, no, no worries. Arthur, who no worries. Uh, everyone just heard my, me awkwardly silence. I didn't know what to do. I'm like... Uh, no, 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 I, was, I was watching on my, uh, on my iPad. It was mix, mix the producer. What do I do? Then um, I, uh, I'm going to just uh, click record on a couple of things now, but it, the good news is we're still going, so keep talking. <laughs> All right. So, look, I was just saying, we were, we're, I'm just going through what I like about the movie. Um, so the movie is not always fun. It's not always completely exciting, um, but I feel like they really captured the detail well. I personally felt that I've learned more and was able to visualise through sight and sound what the what the western front might have looked like and and you know there are other movies out there that do that as well um and this one did it in its own style in its own way using those amazing long short shots yeah long um, shots. the second thing i like was the cinematography we talked about it you know the visuals were absolutely amazing they built up so much anticipation they suited this movie um, but I have a feeling that they likely came at a cost, which, which is what we'll cover um, in a little bit of time. Um, and another thing was that you really felt part of this journey. Uh, the story about these two soldiers that have to travel, you know, a long way. It's a very simple story. Hey, you two, get over there and tell them not to attack. Um, and that's it. 
There's no twists. There's no deep character development. There's no plot twist. It's a very simple story. But it doesn't matter that it's so simple because it's a journey that you are a part of. And if you think about that, you know, if they're able to keep you there just with the simple story because you are a part of it, you are running behind them, um, I think it was amazing. Are we I, I wrote, spoiler alert time yet or not? Say again. Are we at spoiler alert time yet? No, not yet, not yet. Okay. Um, but, but, I, but I, uh, I, I actually got tired. These, you watch these dudes run and move and just do so much. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides the cinema, Mick, is there anything else you liked about this movie? Um, well, I guess I'm on now. Uh, mate, yeah, look, I love the cinematography. I love some of the scenes. I love some of the, um, the action sequences, um, the yeah. few that there were. Um, I, there are a few things that made me uncomfortable in terms of um, uh Deus Ex Machina, you know, like the the way they've they introduce some pretty interesting plot points or or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or, or events to to drive the plot. Um, yeah. I was like, I'm not saying that can't happen, but yeah, geez, what are the chances? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like I did overall, I thought it was a good film. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, look before the spoiler alert. My final point is about what I liked. It's a movie about World War One, and they are few and far between. All right, it, it has a it has a different feel to your classic World War Two movie, of which there's so many. It's yeah. not about being exciting. It's not about winning the day. It's not even about defeating the enemy. It's about stopping a tragedy, and it's a human story. And to me, I really liked that it was just a World War One movie that offered something different to what previous movies have offered before. And I felt that it portrayed World War One well. You know what I mean? I saw, you know. You're in the trenches. Uh, you, you saw what no man's land was like, the barbed wire, the artillery, you know, you got to even see it. You saw a tank, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's a war that is well over a hundred years old now. Um, and I think they portrayed it well. I think that Sam Mendes did a good good job about this movie. Yeah, 102 years over. I wouldn't call that well over. I'd say well over. I'd say that's well over. Um, okay. So, so what we did not like. This, this is a spoiler alert. If you spoiler have not seen this... Hashtag spoiler alert. Hashtag spoiler alert. If you have not seen the movie, we're going to talk about things that happened in the movie that made us angry. We will, um, give, you, we will give you a moment right now to pause yeah. before you... Uh, the Allies win World War One. Okay, there we go. That's the, that's the big spoiler alert. All right, spoilers from now. Oh, yeah. Every officer that appeared in this movie was almost like a guess who of British screen. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you knew that an officer was coming, I was like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Boom. It's, it's oh. a famous actor. I, I, why only do your super A-grade actors for these officers? It ended up being a bit of a game that when yeah. I was watching it by myself. And, of course, it finishes in the finale of Benedict Cumber Cumberland. That no, no that's, that's Justin Cumberland, the singer. Uh, Benedict, Benedict Batch. Cumberbatch, yeah, right. And that's it. And he's, of course, he's the general because he's the biggest A-lister that they had. You know he's what I mean? And he was, he was a colonel. And, and you know, this, this <laughs> uh, the casting of the officers really got me angry. I you know, they Colin, Colin Firth, I think, was like the yeah, general. Yeah. And, like, it took me a minute. I was like, that's Colin Firth. Yeah. Are we going to see, like, him, him being, like, the, you know, the pig-headed general? And they're like, oh, we're not going to see him for the rest of the film. Yeah, it didn't need him. It didn't need him. It, 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 ended, it, it distracted because I was like, 
because you saw the back of the colonel like who's it going to be yay it's benedict you know it's yeah, Doctor yeah. strange here we go so that 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 got me a little bit angry oh, what about you you mean sherlock it was sherlock it was sherlock um, so mate i did like that anyone who's been in game of thrones or um or sherlock was in this uh, was <laughs> yeah 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 like clearly calling in some mates favors um i would love to see what um what sam mendez had done for various tv producers to say all right yeah great ones it's the um it's the goodwill hunting. Calling the calling the crew. <laughs> the goodwill the crew. hunting that payback they do in um what's that movie? Uh Silent Bob and Jay. Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob, yeah, yeah. Um, but um mate, the thing I didn't like, right? So I've said it before. This is basically Lord of the Rings on the Western Front. Um yeah. so if you think of the character of um Blake, uh who's played by Tommen from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um and just like Tommen in Game of Thrones, he dies. All right. But he dies, like you said, he dies before you get to know him. Like, oh I was God. like, who's this guy? But also the way he dies, I'm just like, oh, man. So strange. So strange. And you know what? It is uh, – it's frustrating, and I get it, that you want to talk about the frustration of the waste of all these young lives. Yeah. Got it? There's a different way to do it than the way that it was done. I just didn't like the way they did it. But also, before that point, I was like, oh, this is clear. So his Frodo – and uh, and the other mate, um, Schofield, is clearly Samwise Gamgee because he's the practical one, That's right. keeping them alive the whole time. And like, and I kept thinking it was going to go the other way. I'm like, this bumbling fool <laughs> has to get to his brother is going to get the other guy killed. It, look, then I'm going to not watch the rest of the film and I have to jump on here and tell Richie I didn't watch it. I what was, was I doing with my I, I was breathing so heavily. I was so into the movie until the plane crashed. And then he got stabbed and he died. And I was just like, what? Well, this is so strange. It's so distracting from what this movie is trying to do. I, I didn't enjoy it. I did not enjoy that part. Um, as someone said on Twitter, it stuck out like a sore thumb, that part of the movie. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I want to say some words, but I don't have my sensor beat. So. Good. Oh, wait. <laughs> I do. It was <laughs> up. <laughs> right. What's this? Um, uh, tell me, tell me what you tell me about this. Uh, what you think about this? So there's a lot of scenes yes. where our, our hero, towards the end, and especially in the ruined cities at night, is is chased by Germans. Um, oh. And it almost, to me, it almost got to a point where I was just like, we're just watching a World War One game of Tiggy. I, I, I didn't. I don't think I got what you were meant to get from it. I was just a bit like. That guy is so close to him. He's just chasing him. Why? This is like this is just super ticky. I just just stop running and shooting. Stand just, yeah, just breathe. Yeah, yeah, shoot him. Like like it's, you, you, it's almost at a point where you want the Germans to kill the protagonist because he's like, dude, like stop running in a straight line down an alley. Like, yeah, it's look, it, it, way to get shot. It was almost unreal. It was almost unreal to me that that part of the movie, and I was just a bit like, we're watching a game of Tiggy at nighttime. It's, it's really strange. And then, and then, and then the scene where he, he falls into the water and then goes over the waterfall. Of course, he's going to go over a waterfall. It's the biggest movie cliche that exists. If you fall into a flowing river that you did not intend to fall into, you will fall over a waterfall. That's like Hollywood 101. And when they did it, I was just like, no, why? Why did she put a waterfall in here? Um, so look, I really, uh, it, it's, it's uh, the start of the movie to me was excellent. And then it sort of dipped at the plane crash and it was stayed down and then it stayed there onto the waterfall. But after the waterfall, it came back up and then just ended with one of the most amazing scenes, I think, in cinematography, which is the 
the coming out of the trenches, uh, the assault and, and all that sort of stuff. So look, a lot of things I didn't like about the movie um, and I have a feeling a lot of the plot issues that we have um, are the cost of the cinematography. I think the, the deep investment in maintaining the single shot, the deep production value, the deep rehearsals, all that sort of stuff to make something look this good. Stay deep one more time. I'm sorry, deep. Oh, yeah. Fair, fair. Um, it's been a long time since we've had a deep lead-in like that. That's right, that's right. Um, but I think it came at a cost, and I think the cost was the storyline was had had some holes in it which were not really enjoyable. So, uh, Mick, I'm going to ask you what you give this movie out of five. Yeah. Put you on, put you on the spot. I'll let you think about it, and I'll give you my score. I give it three stars out of five. <laughs> Such a douchebag. You know why? Because I want a good story. I want to feel bad. God, stop reading my notes. Stop reading my notes. I want it to be historically accurate. I want to remember it. That's why. So, listeners, my score, as ruined by Mick, is three out of five stars. <laughs> Now, the reason why I've given it three out of five, and I actually thought long and hard about this, it, it comes back to the question I asked you, why do you watch a war movie? What do you want to get out of a war movie? Some people don't care about the storyline. They want to see just the fighting. Some people don't care about the fighting. They want to see just the storyline. Some people want a balance of both. Here's what I want. As previewed by Mick, I want a good story. That's what okay? I I want to feel part of the story. Okay? I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. I want to, I want to hear it. I want to, I want to be a part of it. I, personally, I want it to be historically accurate. I mentioned that. It's not a documentary, and I get that, and there's allowed to be inaccuracies with it, but I want it to be somewhat based on the truth. So I can go and Google it afterwards and be like, oh, it was about this battle, it was about that sort of thing. But most importantly, the day after I watch it, I want to not stop thinking about it. That's how I know that I've watched a really, really, really good war movie. Mm. And Mick, I really wanted to love this movie. I really, really wanted to, to really like this movie, but I didn't. I, I, I didn't like it as much as I wanted to like it. Visually amazing, audibly amazing, Com controls the suspense, controls the tempo, has you in his hands, but too much was sacrificed to make that happen. And as a result, I give this movie three out of five stars. Man, that's exactly what I gave it. I hate you so much. I give, <laughs> so, you, I give yeah, you zero stars. I'll give you some honest. I'll give you some honest feedback. Uh, I would give it about three out of five stars, and I actually decided that now after hearing your explanation because I, at the end of it, I came out of it. And I'm like, wow, that movie was really good. So I, made, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it again. Would you watch uh, it again? I didn't. I didn't remember I'd watched it today. Right. Right. I would watch Saving Private Ryan. I've seen it so many times. I'd watch Saving Private Ryan right now. I would watch Black Hawk Down right now. I'd watch Fury right now. I've seen this. I've watched it once. I'm good. Yep. It's a bit like uh, Inglorious Bastards. Like, I watched it the first time. I was like, man, I'm going to watch this movie so many times. I've never seen it again. Oh, really? I've watched it so many times. I love that movie. I love really? It. I, I, the things I like in it's like Brad Pitt's character is cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love Brad Pitt. So cool. Actually, Maybe I will watch that one again. I'll definitely watch that again before I watch this again. Hey, so you know, let's wrap it up. All right, man. So I want to finish the show by talking about how much I enjoyed the genre of military movies. 
um, as, a mil- as a military professional, but just in general. Um, it's a great way to get a piece of history or to get a story um, and to get you to think about it. It opens your eyes to a world that you can get lost within. And in this case, 1917, World War I, trenches, trench warfare, Western Front. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Okay. I didn't love the movie, but I enjoyed the experience. So I would say to you, do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen this movie, watch this movie, Google some of the stuff, get into it, learn about World War One. Um, but I, I don't think there'll be too many people going back to watch it again because I don't think it has much rewatchable value, although visually spectacular. Mick, final thoughts on 1917. It was a good year. <laughs> well, that's it. Ladies and gents, I hope you have enjoyed this episode and our take on the movie 1917. Why don't you talk to about some of our socials, buddy? Uh, because I don't like our listeners, but I'll do it anyway. Okay, so jump don't on Facebook, that. search for War for Idiots. Jump on Facebook, like us, like our sponsors, love us, uh, tell your friends about us, and say hello to your mum. Uh, follow our individual Twitter pages. Okay, we do have a group page that... Um, Richie and I share the responsibility from tweeting from that one. So you can probably tell who is who. We might yeah. have to start signing them off with an M and an R. Um, but uh, it is... What the M mean? Oh, I get it. I get it. Friday, I just got it. Um, and, and I'm the dumb one. Um, <laughs> at <laughs> War Numeral for Idiots is uh, where you can find us on Twitter. And then you can find Richie at Richie underscore triple T. And you can find myself at Mick underscore... Cook, jump on, uh, have an argument with us. Tell us why we are wrong about 1917, the movie. Look, leave a review, share the episode, keep the support coming, support us because we love doing this and we want to keep on doing it. But we need you and uh, we need your support. So until next time, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And remember that we may be idiots. But so are you. War for Idiots is a TDP production. War for Idiots is fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license.